you know, there's a lot of creativity that goes into doing good research. I do have a theater background. I was a theater major for a while and studied with Deborah Messing, who doesn't remember me and won't friend me on Facebook, but that's okay. Um, Grace Adler will not friend you. You know, like, what's up with that? Anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand every single day. We've got another amazing guest on today's show. It is Adriana Waterston, who is the Chief Revenue Officer and Insights and Strategy Lead at Horowitz Research. But before we get to Adriana, I want to talk a little bit about your tailwinds and your headwinds. You know, this week I was working with one of my great career breakthrough mentoring program cohorts, and we were talking all about your tailwinds, those brand attributes that help you go further with more efficiency, the things that you are known for, as well as those tailwinds, those things that people say about you or the reputation you might have that actually cause drag on your brand and slow you down. And one of the big conversations that we had was this whole notion of when your key strengths, those amazing tailwinds, those brand attributes actually become those headwinds when you have too much volume, or you're not modulating based on the context of the situation. You know, there are times that I think to myself, you know, wow, my brand attribute, one of my tailwinds is all about being a first mover and being a super connector, the first one out of the gate, the one that's innovative, the one that's connecting ideas and connecting people. But you know what? When I overuse that or I lead with that part of my brand in a context or a situation where it may not be valuable, I may actually come off to people as shallow, an egotist, pushy, overly risky, all things that I don't want to be known as, but potentially could be the unintended effect of leading too heavily with one of those tailwinds. So when you think about all of those great things in your brand attributes that drive you forward, I also want you to make sure that you have those and never statements. You are dynamic, but you're never aggressive. You are bold, but you're never pushy. You are patient, but you're never slow. Remember, too much of a good thing sometimes can simply be too much for your career audience. 
Well, let's get to today's show because I have Adriana Waterston, who is the Chief Revenue Officer and Insights and Strategy Lead at Horowitz Research. Adriana oversees Horowitz's Latinx, BIPOC, Millennial, and Gen Z research, and she also heads up Green Horizons, which is Horowitz's recently launched division specializing in cannabis and holistic health. Now, Adriana is a research junkie with a flair for finding the story behind the statistics, teasing meaning out of measurements, and revealing the faces behind the facts. She's also a thought leader in the diversity space and has consulted with clients in entertainment, news and media, technology, telecom, travel, hospitality, CPG, toys, and of course, the emerging cannabis market. We'll be back in just a few moments with Adriana Waterston. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am here with a fabulous guest today. It is Adriana Waterston. Adriana, how are you today? I am awesome today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you on this dreary day in New York. I am thrilled that you're here, and I'm thrilled that you are super awesome. Let's jump right into (laughs) it. Adriana, tell me, when you first meet people, how do you explain who you are and what you do? I come from a very complex, you know, and interesting background, right? I am a Puerto Rican Cuban Jew, <laughs> you know, born white, blanquita, Puerto Ricana, blanquita. I was born and raised in, in Puerto Rico in the metro area, you know, in a very privileged environment, you know, private schools surrounded by a lot of wealth and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and, and access to resources and things like that. And actually, I was in that environment until I became an adult and and came to the States, migrated or moved, not immigrated, because, you know, uh, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Which everyone seems to forget about, right? Yeah, like people talk about Sotomayor as like they call her a Puerto Rican immigrant. I'm like, there is no such thing as a Puerto Rican immigrant, okay? (laughs) You know, my awareness of sort of, you know, being this multicultural, bicultural person was always present in my life and actually became very useful in my career. I do a lot of Hispanic market research. I do a lot of consulting uh, about the Latino market uh, for clients and things like that. So clearly that part of my identity as being a Latina, as being not just someone that studies Latino culture and and all of that, but actually somebody that lives it is something that's very important to to my clients. It makes my suggestions and opinions and recommendations, quote unquote, more authentic, right? Well, Adriana, you are the Chief Revenue Officer and Insights and Strategy Strategy Lead at Horowitz Research. So so tell us, what does that mean? What is, what is it that you do every day? So Horowitz is a market research firm. We are a traditional you know, full service quant and qual market research company. We deliver everything from, you know, focus groups to survey research to, uh, you know, ethnographic research, online communities. Now we do a lot of 
uh, for our clients. And most of our clients are in the media and technology and telecommunication space. Not all of them. Uh, we have a lot of clients across a lot of verticals. But the core of our business uh, is serving media clients. So um, all along, uh, we have uh, been well known as experts in the multicultural space, delivering, you know, in-culture uh, insights among Latino, Black, Asian, and other and other cultural segments. And of course, uh, nowadays, with everything that's been going on over the past number of years, the work that we do has been really instrumental in helping uh, drive some of the efforts, the diversity efforts that a lot of both mainstream as well as targeted uh, media companies are are looking to embrace to do a better job of serving multicultural America. So I'm super proud of what we do. I, I'm passionate about the work that we do. You know, we are making a difference. And it's really sounds like it's bringing it all through data. Through data and insights. So we, we work with data, obviously. I mean, everything is data, right? Yeah. But we collect primary consumer research through surveys and things like that. And then we you know, collect insights through conversations with people, through observational research, through, you know, doing a lot of social listening, um, through uh, going into people's homes and observing how they live and, uh, you know, and what matters to them and, and you know, the, the imagery that they connect with and the iconography that they live, that they're surrounded by and, um, and things like that to bring those sort of insights to our clients so that they can then, you know, create more, uh, resonant stories uh, in the content that they that they create. So it's yeah. it's super awesome. I love it. I love so, what I do. Uh, I can tell, and I will tell you, I am a big research and, and insights geek. But it's one of those things that I think when we were kids growing up, it's not something that we even knew existed. So Correct. talk to me. You know, when you look back over your career, what were some of the the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? And and how the heck did you even get into the insight space? So my career trajectory has been a little, no, not linear, let's just say. <laughs> and which I, which I actually love because one of the things that I feel is true about me and I think uh, is probably true about a lot of people nowadays is that I bring to the table a lot of experiences that I've had in different, you know, in different jobs that I've had in different careers that I've had working in different industries. And I brought all of that understanding to the table in the work that I do today to really connect with consumers. So uh, it's almost like I sit there in a focus group and I can connect and I'm leading the focus group and I can literally, you know, connect with everyone around the table uh, from me because there's some element of their story that, uh, that rings true for me because I have really done it all. Literally, I've done everything from I've been a dress designer. Um, I, I dressed like fancy, um, you know, society women in Puerto Rico, including uh, Miss Universes and Miss Puerto Ricos in, in clothes that I designed all the oh way to, gosh. yes, all the way to um, I've taught Spanish to high school kids like what? <laughs> and sort of found my home here in, in research, but it was definitely a circuitous uh, path. And, and to be honest, it, 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 it actually, I work with, um, it's a family business. Now, Horowitz Research is a small consulting firm that's been around for over 40 years. My sister is an urban anthropologist. She's actually very well known in her field. And she and her husband, her husband actually started the company and she, she was the one that started with the multicultural uh, 
you know, division that we have uh, back. And I'm talking about in the early 90s and um, that yeah. she started that division. And I was at a point in my life, I was, you know, in my late 20s and um, I, I, I wanted a career change and I really wanted to be in media, but I wanted to be in front of the camera. And uh, <laughs> and and of course, you know, so my my brother-in-law and my sister have all these contacts because we, you know, we do so much work in the media space. Oh, you know, come work for us, bring your skill set, you know, in marketing and sales and whatever. You work with us, you're going to make connections, you're going to meet all sorts of people. And eventually, you know, you'll you'll get a job at, you know, a broadcaster or a cable network or whatever. And I, you know, I had fantasies of being in front of the camera, to be quite honest with you. I should have known it wasn't going to happen because I'm like five feet tall and a little zoftig. So whatever. <laughs> hey, um, short people rule. Short people rule. I'm a shorty. I, yeah. You know, there's there's place for all of us. But anyway, but I start. So I started working with them more in a kind of marketing and business development capacity. And it was like really to me, it was a temporary stepping stone into this other world of media that I wanted to break into. But very, very quickly, I. I realized how cool research is. As you were saying, you've always been a fan. Yeah. Research is life, man. I mean, it is it is so awesome. Uh, it's cre- It's a field that is creative. So all of those things I just mentioned about, you know, being a dress designer and this and that, you know, there's a lot of creativity that goes into doing good research. Um, it is um, it, it, it is inherently, you know, a social science, right? You know, you have to know how to how to talk to people and you have to know how to understand what you're hearing and, and, and look at the information that you're getting through the lens of, you know, anthropology and sociology and, and history and, you know, all sorts of contexts, the, the sociopolitical environment, all this stuff like plays a role. So there's that, there's the intellectual part of it, right? Um, and then for me also, I mentioned I kind of had this fantasy of being in front of the screen. I do have a theater background. I went to Brandeis University and was a theater major for a while and studied with Deborah Messing, who doesn't remember me and won't friend me on Facebook, but that's okay. Um, Grace Adler will not friend you? You know, like, what's up with that? Anyway. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so so all of a sudden now I'm I'm working with clients and we're doing all this great you know, research work and, and there's all this great information, but the question is, how do you tell that story? How do you bring it to life for the client? And that's where my, you know, sort of theater background came in. I learned very quickly that, you know, presenting the data in a compelling way, telling the stories, selling it, talk about the, my retail background, selling those stories, selling those narratives that, you know, maybe uh, our clients weren't used to hearing uh, and bringing them to life um, uh, really, you know, required leaning into that theater background that I had and that sales background that I had. And so I really found that research, this job in research, this career that I've developed kind of hits all the right notes as far as, um, you know, everything that I've done in my life to prepare myself professionally in all these different avenues that I had walked down um, in my career, you know, found themselves at a sort of at a nexus uh, in in this career that, that I'm in. And so it just is the right fit for me. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's amazing. And it just happened really coincidentally. So um, I feel very fortunate. I know that that's not true of everybody, that they're going to fall into an opportunity like I did. Um, and of course, now we're talking about t- over 20 years ago. 
Um, and, and now I'm, you know, essentially running the business with, uh, with, uh, you know, Howard is still very involved. Uh, but my uh, colleague Nuria Riera and I, another Latina, um, uh, you know, she and I do the day to day, uh, running of the business and dealing with all of our clients. And it's just every day is like a gift, you know, to be able to, uh, pull all of those elements uh, of myself and all of my experiences together uh, and have them deliver value uh, for the people that I serve with my work. Yeah. And Adriana, what was the hardest part for you about realizing and then giving up on being in front of the camera? Because I know when those of us who are kind of this from this theater gypsy stock, right, it's like something mm-hmm. that you always look forward to. And then you you find this moment. What was that like for you? Well, to be honest, the moment happened, um, really happened when I was in college, because it was that realization that I had always been like the big fish in a little pond, Um, you know, growing up in Puerto Rico in uh, an environment, tiny, what island that's 30 miles, you know, uh, uh, long and 100 miles long and 30 miles wide and or so in a, in a high school where there were 37 people in my graduating class, you know, I mean, I thought I was a goddess of everything. <laughs> and, um, and then I went to a, you know, a smallish university and there I too, I, you know, I achieved a certain amount of success in this area, but then I realized, wow, you really have to have drive to want to, to want to make it in, in theater. And you have to be willing to make a lot of sacrifices, pounding the pavement, uh, just rejection, rejection constantly. And I mean, I knew I was good, but I didn't really know if I was that good (laughs) to be able to take that risk. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And and the fact that I wasn't willing, I I mean, and that's where you have to be self, you know, you have to be truthful to yourself, right? Well, and you love what you're doing, and you've also had this opportunity to head up a whole new division specializing in holistic health and cannabis. So tell me a little bit about that. So we just started that division right actually before uh, COVID hit. It was in 2019 that we that we launched it and we did our first study uh, for Green Horizons, which is uh which is, is a tracking study. It was a benchmark study on the market for cannabis and CBD products. And we just did our second wave because we skipped a year because of COVID. That's, that is a business that we're sort of nurturing now and, and growing. But what I find really fascinating about that is that, you know, I have built a career talking about culture and talking about different cultural groups and their, what they bring to the table that's unique and different and why we need to super serve these different audiences and all this. And um, what is really interesting to me about the cannabis space is that it is such an interesting cultural phenomenon that's happening right now. I'm going to anecdotally tell you something. So first of all, in our research, and I'm not going to remember the numbers now, but it was something like, I think we experienced from the two years ago to now, we experienced some like incredible change in terms of the percent of people that, that are cannabis users, like, like almost 20% jump. Wow. And that is when we saw the data. We were like, that's got to be a mistake. There's got to be something wrong with the data. There's no way that that number went up so high. And maybe, maybe there's, you know, samples might be different there. You know, we did do whatever. I mean, there could be that. However, 
However, qualitatively, I have been having a lot of conversations with people and things have changed dramatically in two years with regard to cannabis. What's changed? First of all, we are now, you know, legalization is is happening everywhere. I mean, so many states have become legal, both for recreational and for medicinal over the past number of years, including New York, by the way. (laughs) And uh, and what that's with, and then so now we're talking about dispensaries opening up in markets that you know where before if you wanted to buy something that was cannabis related, you were going to the street corner and buying it from some dude, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and 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 you're smoking it really. That's what you were doing, right? You were buying flour and you were smoking it. So now that you can actually, in many states, just go to a store that's like actually a nice looking store and yeah. um, talk to a professional who's behind the counter, who's going to advise you about, you know, these products and whatever. And what products are there? There's there's cannabis, there's the gummies, there's the cannabis infused, you know, wines and beers, there's, you know, all sorts of things. So now qualitatively, I'm having conversations with people, including people in their 70s. Wow. who are not cannabis consumers, were not up until now, who now, because there's a legitimacy to the market and to the product, and there's options beyond having to smoke it, are now using cannabis. Like I talked to a 73-year-old wow. woman who for the first time she was never, she never would admit, she probably, I'm sure she probably did stuff in the seventies, but she didn't admit it, (laughs) but she has a knee problem. And now she's buying these transdermal patches that are cannabis patches that are going on her knee. I have some personal friends who are in their fifties, like me, who were never smokers, never smoked pot, you know, never did any of that stuff, but they live in an area where there's dispensaries around them and they discovered gummies. And now that's like part of their social life is they do, they, They'll share a gummy. They'll cut it in half. I mean, these are people that in my survey in 2019 would have said, no, I'm not a cannabis consumer. And now in 2021, they They are. are. So so it's, it's this changing, evolving, rapidly evolving market that... Um, is just at the beginning of, you know, it's at its infancy in terms of, you know, what we're going to see happen to it. And so I love that I'm in early on in this culture. So you work with with big companies and big brands all of the time to supply them mm-hmm. insights and and data there. Let's talk a little bit about your brand. Mm-hmm. So give me three words that you would use to describe brand Adriana. I would say dynamic, intellectual, and I would say bold. Ooh, so I love that. Dynamic, intellectual, and bold. So how is it that you show up as a leader and an executive as dynamic, intellectual, and bold? I think that I come armed with information. Um, You know, the fact that that is what I peddle. Is, 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 you know, it's knowledge and insights. That's what people are paying me for. Yeah. And I am very confident in the data that we collect and what we, and the insights that we share. I, I believe in the work that we do. I know that we do excellent quality research. That is not true, by the way, of all research providers. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. 
But mm-hmm. I am telling you that, 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 you know, you cannot always assume that what you're reading in terms of a research report or a press release or whatever is, um, is accurate because, and it's not to say that people are not, you know, genuinely trying, but there's a lot of misunderstanding around research. And so when I have conversations with my clients, those are the things that I keep in mind. And it gives me a confidence in what I have to say. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just pulling things out of thin air. I am, yeah. I am, I'm, I know that what I'm telling my clients is what they need to hear. They don't necessarily always want to hear what I need to, what I have to say, but, <laughs> but I know that I have to say it. That's my job, you know? And I guess that's where the dynamic and bold comes in, right? Correct. Right. I can't let the fear of not being liked or accepted or, or listened to uh, by clients um, prevent me from, from telling them what they need to know. So it's complicated, but, but we um, have very loyal clients and, you know, who come back to us time and again, and they come to us for very complex projects and uh, that tells me that, that that choice to always be, to be bold, you know, and be confident in, in the information that I'm sharing is, is, uh, is valued uh, by the yeah. people that, that do business with me. And, the, and, the, and when I say about dynamic, dynamic, I think, has a couple of different interpretations, right? Dynamic in terms of personality, you know, yeah, that's where the <laughs> it's where the theater training comes in and the sales, <laughs> you know, marketing and sales background come in. Um, but uh, but also dynamic in terms of the idea of, of always changing, always willing to improve, always willing to react to new circumstances and new information. Um, uh, you know, I deal with culture and culture changes all the time. Uh, what was true about, let's say, Hispanic culture or Latinx culture 20 years from now, from uh, 20 years ago, is different than, you know, than truths about uh, Latinx culture, Hispanic culture today. Yeah. Um, and, and, and black culture and all of this, because culture is always evolving as it as as we connect with other cultures and we and, and technology and, and media all have a role in how culture evolves and shifts. And so. Um, so we need to be dynamic in that sense of, 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 of really not leaning too heavily on what we knew from yesterday, but really thinking about what we can learn about the future, about today and about tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that we're constantly doing research in this space keeps us on our toes because, you know, I mean, I have to thank our clients for that, that, that they keep us, um, they keep us smart. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So I know you, you told me sometimes your clients don't always want to hear what, what you, you need to tell them. And so just broadly, when you think about your own executive brand and how you've evolved over the past 20 years in the space, give me an example of a time when you, when you got some tough feedback and you realized, wow, maybe you needed to shift, shift the way that you show up or, or change your brand in a way that's more appealing to the people that you're super serving. Yeah. Well, you know, you always have to have your finger on the pulse of the interpersonal dynamics that are happening in the room. 
Um, yeah. Whether it's between you and, you know, that person or that person and other people. And when you work as a vendor, which I do, there are people that brought you to the table who are not necessarily the people that are, you know, the decision makers. Yeah. And so there is a dynamic there that you always have to be paying attention to, right? Because at the end of the day, you have to, you, your responsibility is to the brand that brought you there to make sure that you deliver the right information. But if you're not effective at communicating the message, then, you know, it's, it's a risk for yourself. It's a risk for the client that brought you there you know, that, that, that advocated for you to be the vendor of choice for that project. And, and of course, ultimately a risk for the business. So it's really about keeping a finger on the pulse of the dynamics in the room. Give me a couple of tips of how you read a room. First of all, you always have to know who the decision makers are, right? Like, yeah. Who are, who are the influence, who are the decision makers, who are the key influencers and who are your advocates? Who are your advocates and who are your enemies? Those are the four people you need to, (laughs) you need to walk into a room and you need to know who those four people are. Do your homework. I mean, ask if you're being invited into a room, then ask who invited you. So tell me who's going to be there and what are all of the different, you know, what, what do I need to know about all these people and where do they sit in terms of, you know, this decision and that decision. And, and you may not necessarily know where, how they're going to react to you right away, but you need to use eye contact you you need to be paying attention when you're talking. If you're presenting, you're looking around the room, who's locking eyes with you, who's not, you know, what their expressions are. All of those things are are critical. And uh, um, I mean, I, I know this stuff intuitively after, you know, 20 something years of doing this, plus all the theater experience, plus everything else. But, um, but that's, an expertise that I think anyone looking to grow in corporate America needs to learn how to do ASAP. So Adriana, a couple of fun uh, closing questions for you. We've been talking a little bit about your brand and things that you do for big brands. What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What, what can't you live without? You really want to know the answer to that question? I will tell yeah. you, it's right over my shoulder. I don't know if you can see it. It's what is my that, Peloton. Peloton? <laughs> it is my Peloton. I mean, Peloton, if you're listening, I'm, I'm, I don't want to go work for you, but I would like to do research for you. So please call me. <laughs> this is a brand that knows its target audience. It has created a community. It has created a, a culture, a subculture that is thriving. I don't care what all the critics say. I can tell you that that what what keeps me going on the bike. I mean, I am not one of those people that like loves to exercise. Okay, I was not. <laughs> I mean, I but I'm on that bike almost every single day, pretty much every day, unless like there's some travel or some random thing happening. But but pretty much every day, and I have made friends through Peloton. It is a it is a probably 90% of the stuff that I do on social media has to do with Peloton. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's so, it's what they have built is so powerful. Yeah. And Adriana, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? 
I actually think I drive the car that um, that defines me in a in a in a good way. Um, I drive a Volvo SUV, and um, it's solid. It's solid. It's reliable. I I love the technology. I think it's really cutting edge in terms of the technology. And I and I was reading an article uh, actually in the New York Times about it was in the New York Times about Volvo's image for the next you know in the future. I mean they're going to be all uh, electric coming very soon they're redoing all of the um the design but there's you know it's and it's safe and um and uh and it um and 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 fun to drive so i like to think of myself as <laughs> as as fun right and finally adriana uh, yeah. tell me what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners yeah i think I mean, a lot of what we've talked about today, right? I think that it's it's recognizing that, you know, you have inherent talents and a skill set that you bring to the table. I'm not talking about the skill set of knowing how to do X, Y, and Z at your job. I'm talking about who you are as a person. And, um, and you know, and if you're not sure of what those skills are or what those gifts are, then you need to do some some research uh, on yourself to really be able to identify those and then nurture them because those are the things that are going to carry you through your career. It's not going to be how well you can put together a PowerPoint. It's not going to be, you know, how great your notes were or uh, how many hours, you know, uh, you spent watching training videos. It's going to be how well you leaned into your own unique things that you bring to the table and bring them to light for your, for your employers or for your clients or for whomever. Um, and, uh, and, and that's work that only you can do for yourself. Well, Adriana, it was so fabulous talking to you. Thank you for being dynamic, intellectual, and bold. And fun. And fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a lot of fun too. So, um, I uh, I love doing this, and uh, I look forward to listening to uh, all the other interviews that you're going to be doing with folks over the next couple of months to see uh, see who else, uh, what other cars come up <laughs> and other exactly. adjectives come up. Exactly. Well, thank you again, uh, and we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. And we're back. I just loved talking with Adriana because she is so dynamic and so bold and so fun. We could talk all day long. But you know what really stood out to me from our conversation was the whole notion of thinking about the intersection of your talents, passions, and the needs of the marketplace. I loved when Adriana talked about really realizing that that being a performer or being an actor or being an on-air personality just required a lot of sacrifices that she wasn't 
willing to make. But what I loved even more is that she found a way to take her talents and passions that she thought were perfect for the stage or being on camera and actually brought them in to her work as a researcher and insights expert. You know, that's the bottom line. When we are kids, we have all sorts of great ideas of who we want to be and we know what we're passionate at and and what we love. But oftentimes opportunities are out there that allow you to take those transferable skills and allow you to shape your passions into the work that you do, even if it isn't what you envisioned at the beginning of your career. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved our conversation, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And I'd love to talk to you on LinkedIn. Most importantly, remember in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.